You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Global Trade This Week. It's uh, brought to you by Cap Logistics. Please visit their site at caplogistics.com for all your transportation needs. And um, I'm stoked about this episode, Pete. I'm looking forward to it. But before we jump into that, uh, let me back up. I'm Doug Draper. I'm your uh, host on the Intermountain West. Pete loves it when I use that terminology. And, and Pete's dropping dimes out there in New Hampshire. Pete, how's it going, my friend? It's going great, bud. Um, I'm still positive that Intermountain West is something that you and Keenan made up, and he even made up a Wikipedia page for it just to throw me off. I, I don't think it's real. I don't, I don't think it's real, bud. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dougie, Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh crew. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 do you even know who that is, Doug? Of course I know who that is. Yes. Dougie Fresh, the show. Yeah. Uh, I, have yeah. A, I have a buddy, Hector. Dougie Fresh did a cameo for him for his birthday, and it was awesome. I, I, I send Hector a cameo from an old school rapper every year for his birthday. I done Dougie Fresh. I did, yeah. um, uh, oh, God. Why isn't it coming to me? Um, Eric B from Eric B and Rakim. You know, I mean, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, I, I absolutely love doing it. They're awesome. Have you ever sent a cameo to somebody, Doug? Uh, no, but I know what you're talking about. It, uh, yep. it, it's funny to see what the prices are, and you're like, that guy's career's come and gone. That, guy, that yeah. lady's career's yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. The, the best ones I do, so that there's two, I, I do a lot of them, but the, the, there's, there's a couple of them, actually. So I have the, um, the meanest fantasy football league. I think I've talked about it before. It's mostly forwarding folks and people I've played rugby with. There's no money, but we are awful, Doug, awful to each other. So that, that TV show, the league has nothing on us. We are absolutely terrible to each other. And, um, I have had celebrities. So one of the guys I play against, he works for expediters, his favorite quarterback from the Cowboys. I actually had a cameo of his favorite quarterback from the Cowboys talking about how much he sucks at fantasy football. Um, oh, this God. year I had a, um, an adult star um, talk smack about how I'm going to kick everybody's butt this year. So that's what I've done. The other ones I love uh, at Christmas time, I have a member of the Boston Bruins do a shout out to all my buddies. Oh, um, nice. it's, it's, it's always a bruiser. It's always some enforcer. And then my, my nephew, Trevor, who is a, a gifted baseball player for his birthday, um, you know, uh, for just big points of love. I always get someone from the Boston Red Sox to send him a message, which I, I get a kick out of. So I love cameo. Um, I've had for, for Mrs. Trade Geek, I've had people from like the real housewives of New York do shout outs to her and stuff. You know, I'm, wow. I, I think it's great. You know, I think we should do cameos, Doug. I think that yeah. there should be Global Trade This Week shout outs that we do for birthdays and bar mitzvahs, um, high school graduations, you know, uh, I don't know what, five bucks, what do you think? Seven bucks? Yeah, two for one, I think. Seven fifty yep. for one, maybe like 14 or 13 bucks. I'm all in. We just got to get uh, Keenan. You know what's depressing? To... Well, I, I bet Keenan would make more money. I bet that if Keenan did them, he'd probably make more money than ours. I have a feeling. It's yeah. depressing, man. Yeah. So, hey, quick, uh, quick comment, and then we'll get into our show here about um, 
old school rappers. So we didn't make mention last week, but Coolio passed away. Yes, he did. So yep. here's, yeah. when, when I came out to Denver, didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Uh, I've not been sucked into the mafia that we refer to as supply chain and logistics quite yet. I worked at a liquor store at night. I had two suits and I just rotated them trying to find a job. Anyway, Coolio came into the liquor store and he was he had an entourage. He was doing a concert down the street and um, he came up and he said, he said, um, he probably had some slightly derogatory comment to me. And he said, I need a bottle of bumpy face and a pack of what I am cool. And uh, I was like, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty ballsy statement right there. And he had his whole crew and his hair was crazy. And I had him sign. I didn't have anything for him to sign except a receipt. So I'm pushing the register, trying to get this guy. And his, his scene said, be cool, Coolio. And I had it on my refrigerator for about a year. <laughs> I love it, man. I don't know where it is. It's lost now. But uh, I'll, I'll take a bottle of Bumpy Face, which obviously is Seagram's gin, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. a pack of cool cigarettes. What he is, cool. Cool. Yeah, that's fantastic, Doug. You had, you had a run-in with Coolio. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yes. And, and he said derogatory things to you, Doug. I mean, that's, but you, you saved the encounter. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah I did. Thank you for that. So, and yeah. that's, so, uh, I, don't know how to I don't know how to transition into our actual show uh, topics, but um, maybe we just jump over and have you kick us off. Well, rest in peace, Coolio. Um, and with that, you know, topic number one this week, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it uh, blank sailing palooza, if you will, uh, with the with the ocean freight world kind of pulling the reins in on our consumption all over the world. As people are realizing, as we've been saying for months now, Doug, that warehouses are full of crap that nobody wants to buy. And as people are making this decision that maybe they don't want to buy um, things left and right, uh, the ocean carriers are doing what they do, which is constraining inbound volume, smart decision. Uh, and by doing so, hopefully, you know, the law of supply and demand, keeping rates at a reasonable level so that they can return some kind of positive, uh, some positive returns for their shareholders. Now it's not having the immediate effect that they hope they would. Prices are still plummeting all over the place and uh it's maddening to watch but there's a lot of interesting things that are happening along with that west coast rates are ridiculously low right now doug so if you look at the way the charts are going they're just dipping i mean they are just throwing up on themselves and uh what's crazy is these nvocc's these bcos they overbought west coast rates so people um as we mentioned again and again over the course of the past 24 months they bought long-term contracts. So they bought contracts for this year and they bought contracts for next year. And many of them bought contracts for two years ago, this year and next year. And the West Coast, I mean, it's where it was at, man. But because of this uh, port strike, pending port strike, possible port strike, which hopefully never happens in the renegotiations, people are flooding containers into the West East Coast. And now the East Coast has surpassed the West Coast. <gasps> clutches pearls as the uh, dominant port for the U.S. Uh, New York, um, New York, New Jersey is now the, um, the largest port in America. And Savannah's kicking up there, buddy. Like Savannah's, it's, it's growing. It's crazy as far as the volume goes there, which means that the rates on the West Coast are going to go down even more. So 
what we're seeing now is is more blank sailings into the East Coast, trying to ratchet up those rates to make even more money as volume goes down, and the continued um, correction, if you will. So I think our prediction that the rates will probably stabilize at some point around Lunar New Year is probably going to be dead on, probably going to see another drop again after that, and then a return to normalcy in 2023. So that's where I'm at, Doug. Mm, yep, I love it. Hey, whenever I uh, was looking at this topic, um, you know, first people are like, this is unfair and how can they do this? And they're out to make money and blah, 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 blah. And then literally a day ago, it could have been two days ago, OPEC came out and basically said, um, yeah. yeah, we are going to, um, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to plan oil production cuts uh, to prop up prices. And they yeah. literally say that. We're going to do the equivalent of our blank sailings because we need to prop up prices. They're yeah. so just brazen about it. And OPEC, shipping industry, the whole nine yards, the common theme, not only they got, you know, a brass, you know what, but they're not, they're, they're not controlled by the U.S. Like the U.S. cannot do anything. OPEC is Middle East dominated. And, and so it sucks. People can complain all they want, but it's going to happen. Just like OPEC controls the flow of oil, I think there's going to be a lot of manipulation, just like you said, in the in the ocean container rates to stabilize. Yeah, Doug, you know, I, I think we've said it again and again. We want ocean carriers to make money. We want them to make money. And by making money, it allows them to buy more environmentally sound vessels. It allows them to invest in themselves. It allows them to make safer platforms for mar mariners to work on. We, we don't want them to do as gouges. Um, but but again, when capacity was needed, they flooded the market with capacity. They put every single ship they could find out there, and the market still said not enough. So it's not like they could just manifest ships out of nowhere, and the market went crazy. I mean, that, that's something that people I don't think realize is when we had those 25,000, and I remember those conversations, you want how much? What now? $25,000. I remember someone saying that 25 grand for a 40 footer from a Chinese base port to, um, to Long Beach. And I just remember thinking the world has gone pear shaped, but it's not like, it's not like, you know, an ocean carrier had a whole bunch of ships that they were, they were hiding every single keel that they could put on the water was on the water. And that's just where the market was. People were crazy enough to spend that kind of money on it. Well, now that there isn't, They've got to find a way to operate at a profit. So that's going to mean keeping vessels off the water. And, um, you know, you can't, you can't be upset at them for trying to remain profitable and learning after decades of, of what didn't work, seeing what does work and trying to be profitable with it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm team ocean freight. I'm always going to be team shipper, but I think I'm a lot more sympathetic to what it takes to keep our partners profitable so that all of us will have ships to put our cargo on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. What you got, good Doug? Um, <clears throat> mine's flipping over to the parcel industry. I know I pinged on that a little bit last Brrr. week with, uh, with Amazon. But the one thing I saw the other day was uh, UPS announced an all-in uh, pricing uh, structure for parcel. So um, mm -hmm. when they talk about all-in, it really is all-in. It's the fuel surcharges, the 
destination area charges, all the other, I mean, I think there's a laundry list of like 30 or 40 charges. The only one it doesn't include is, is very large overweight and overdimensional shipments, which I get because they're trying to move stuff through their conveyor belt system, uh, which I think is uh, really cool. You know, the simplicity of it. Um, I think people are going to be a little gun shy and a little hesitant because they're like, what's the trick? What's, you know, the, what, what, what's going on here? But the concept, especially with small to medium-sized shippers, to say, listen, just give me a rate. I don't know the true final cost because I don't know exactly where my customers live uh, because they're coming to me. I'm not touching them, per se. <clears throat> so my um, contracted rate of $10 may ultimately turn out to be $13.50, $14.50, maybe $10. So there is a lot of uh, ambiguity out there. What is the true cost of that part and so um, UPS is offering this to larger clients that have a revenue and a volume commitment um, which is great because they're going to have a guaranteed revenue stream that comes in totally get that and then I think the real beneficiaries are going to be the small to medium-sized guys um, that can align with with their shopping cart so <clears throat> excuse me the big thing is if you and I are selling some widget online and uh, we're using Shopify or other tools or a side hustle or a small business that's growing. Companies can now align their shopping cart rate to exactly what the rate is going to be that UPS assigns to them. Not like, oh, I guess I'll add an extra 10% because I don't know. Now I do know through an all-in rate. So I, I like it. The two forward lanes on this one is I don't think FedEx, well, let me say I don't. I'm not sure FedEx is going to play and follow along. Um, but I really give uh, UPS some kudos for thinking outside of the box. And um, the, the only thing that this is going to do is, I think, well, it'll do, it'll do a lot of things. But the other piece is it's kind of an emotional thing where there's a bridge. They're, they're, they're bridging a gap between all of these services are just designed and all these uh, surcharges are, are designed for them to make more money. And why do I got to pay a density surcharge? And at the same time, I pay a rule surcharge and blah, 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 blah. So I think it's a little bit of PR and some goodwill. And I really think the small to medium sized customers are going to benefit. And I'll give kudos to UPS for thinking outside of the box and continually to come to the table with, uh, with something a little bit different. Yeah, I'm going to give him credit. I, I would love to have met the, um, the people who did the economic study on this to figure out what the number was. You know, where, where they're, they're being profitable. I think this is a great indicator of a coming recession as well, Doug. When you when you see someone who says, let's flat rate this. So um, some more funsies for you. Things that do well in bad economic times. Buffets do extremely well. Uh, it, all you can eat, right? Um, things that you buy by the pound. So clothing that you buy by the pound does extremely well. Um, ground beef sales go up considerably during during times like this whenever you begin to see people that shift over um you'll begin to see more happy hours um the special that's on special you'll see two for one deals i'm seeing ups realize that the market's about to shift so this is going to allow them to get people used to this service make that move embrace it and then uh, allow them to gain some kind of a dominance in that particular marketplace by having people use it. So when you say, I'm not sure FedEx will do it, um, I tend to agree with you because this doesn't seem like a FedEx move. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I wonder if FedEx isn't going to have a choice. I wonder if people are going to get so used to this pricing model from UPS that they're going to be forced to respond, you know, um, because of the simplicity of how it's built. It really is. It sounds like it's built for e-commerce, right? So that you can put on, you can build it into the price of your product, put it on your website and say, if you buy widget X, the total cost will be Y. And now I know what my profit margin is and it's stable. It's not something I have to worry about yeah. over the course of a six month period. Yeah. I love it. Exactly it. So, all right. Well, this is uh, one of my favorite times in the show is halftime because we kind of get off the rails every once in a while. We talk about random stuff that happens to push our buttons in the moment. Um, and the uh, halftime will jump in. Of course, it's brought to you by Cap Logistics. Uh, we mentioned that at the first of the show. So that being said, Pete, um, rip it. Drop me in yeah. on your uh, halftime. Well, I, I got to ask a question first, Doug, because I don't know if we've addressed this before. Are you a shopper, Doug? Like, are you somebody who... Like, do you enjoy shopping? Uh, at times. Here's when I don't enjoy shopping. It was whenever I kind of have some interest and I'm done shopping and my wife isn't and I just follow her around and I look at all the yeah. other guys who are doing the same thing and I'm like, I'm out of here. I got to go just stand in the corner or sit down. So, yeah, I do like shopping, uh, except in that instance. And I, I think you and I might share this trait and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think I'm so much a shopper as I am like a purchaser or a buyer, like I, I go into something pretty much already knowing what I want. Like I, like I, I go to Dick's and I'm like, I need to go buy a pump for a rugby ball or like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going into the grocery store. I have my list. I'm mm -hmm. buying what's on my list and I'm departing. Like I'm not browsing joyfully as I walk through things, preparing to buy something. I'm not, that to me seems like an opportunity to be, to be separated from my money. And I really don't care for that, you know? Yeah. So I'm not really a shopper. I'm a buyer, you know, which is why for me buying things online is it's pretty much you know, that works for me. Um, but when I was in Europe with, uh, you know, oldest boy and his now fiance and Mrs. Trade Geek, I was in hell for a significant portion of the time. The dollar was outrageously strong. So the euro was in the toilet, as was the pound. And I spent a lot of time browsing mm. browsing in louis vuitton browsing in burberry browsing in gucci which for me is pointless because i don't care i just don't care yeah um yeah like if you want to be to a whiskey store oh we can shop we can shop right but i don't care but what did really get my attention doug was when we would go to these high-end retail places a couple of things would happen. There was a line. You could not just walk in. Mm. They would say to you, can I get your name and your phone number, please? And we'll text you when it's your time to come back for your allotted 30 minutes. Like, say mm. what now? You'd say, yeah, you and your, <laughs> you know, you and your yeah. friend, you and your partner uh, will have a 30-minute time when you're allowed to browse our collection. And we'll text you in about an hour. Wow, you know, and it wasn't just that place. It was a lot of them. It was a lot of them. Or you can wait in the queue, and when we have an opportunity, we're letting people in slowly. And uh, the people that were taking your information were thick-necked gentlemen who looked like they may have spent some time in a war. Like these were these were guys that had seen some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, and 
I finally, you know, had asked some people, I said, so is this a security concern because of shoplifting? You said it absolutely is. Wow. We are limiting the number of people inside of our stores, the number of guests that we have in our store, because we have had far too many people do smash and grabs, run run with things. And our inventory is just too expensive. And there are too few of us to manage that problem. And um, he said, thank you for you know your concern. Get back in line, American. Uh, but then you, know, you read about it online. There's also an air of exclusivity that comes from it. Having that opportunity as an individual to walk around in a less crowded store, really take it in. There are fewer people who are working inside. They can actually spend more time with the consumer, make it feel like a more personal experience. But I, I look at that and I think about, you know, the lower rungs of what's happening with commerce today. Every day on Twitter, every day on the news, we see people who walk into a retail uh, drugstore and they know that the limit before you're going to get hit with shoplifting charges is $900, $600. So they seal just under that limit and they walk out the front door with employees of that place who are told not to stop someone from doing it. And are we going to get to a point where you're going to have appointment shopping to go to CVS? Or are we at the point where it's going to become cheaper from an insurance standpoint to have Whole Foods deliver me my eggs and my milk than it is for me to go there and buy it myself because you got to have security at the front door, Doug? This is just... It's, it's starting to make me wonder with regards to retail and supply chain, if home delivery is going to become cheaper than insurance and security. Hmm. You know, that's a great, great pitch. I'd not thought of the uh, indirect uh, consequences to that. <clears throat> I was thinking in, I was thinking marketing. All right. And you're going to get intentional shoppers in there. There's going to be an air of exclusivity. Why is there a line? There must be something special going on in there. I need to be part of that. But I think uh, your perspective uh, is spot on, right? When I mean, you see all these videos of looters and things here in America, it's just it's astronomical. So, yeah, I, I like it. It's a good take. Thanks, so, man. So, uh, I can't wait yeah. for this one. Well, it's related to um, a lot of scandals that some of our listeners may have heard about. It started with a chess scandal that... Um, popped up a couple of weeks ago. And just this past weekend, there was a fishing scandal and there's a poker scandal. So quick recap, chess. Guy named Magnum, Magnus Carlsen's the world champion, badass chess player. He lost to a kid in, in the US named Hans Niemann uh, back in September. Everybody was in shock. This Hans Niemann kid had a, some issues and maybe some some things going on with cheating back in the day, but he says he doesn't, doesn't cheat anymore. Magnus is upset. The chess industry is up, up in arms. There's a little chaos going on. Um, then this weekend, there was a fishing, there was a walleye tournament in Ohio, and the, the duo that won, um, they started cut, cutting open fish because they had dropped lead balls inside of the fish to, to increase the weight. So they won. There was some uh, cheating suspicion. They found lead balls in these fish, and it was total chaos. And you can go online to see the video. And here's a shocker. Um, a lot of cussing going on and profanity and a lot of uh, – uh, it's a funny video if you can find it. And then when I was looking at those, Pete, the other one was this uh, this woman named Robin Jade Lou, who uh, successfully called the bluff of this uh, famous poker player <clears> – <throat> Her cards were shit. His cards were terrible. But she ended up making like $270,000 on this one hand. So everybody's wow. up in arms about that. So 
the, the thing that I have on those three things, well, not so much the fishing because that was pretty blatant. Um, uh, and I think on the fishing one, they found a, a tin of Copenhagen inside one of those fish too, and maybe a crushed beer can. Uh, but nonetheless, the thing, Pete, is are we so jaded when the underdog happens to win something that our immediate response is cheating? Um, so I, I don't know if that's commentary on the status or the situation of our world or, or what, but there's been some cheating and some pretty unusual, um, quote unquote, uh, sporting events. And I'm not so sure if our society is so focused on winning that you have to cheat in order to win by any means necessary, or are we so jaded that we can't just allow the underdog to win time and again, and it will happen. So anyway, I'm not really sure, you know, are we secretly a society of cheaters? And are we so jaded that anybody that has any success is deemed a cheater? Uh, I just thought that was uh, an interesting um, uh, commentary. Well, Doug, for two of those, for sure, they cheated. So I think it's more of a commentary on society that people will do whatever they can to win. Mm -hmm. um, and then for, for the third one, I think it says more about why society um, has has really gotten how we've overcome the game. So cards is a situation where if you're very good at math and statistics, it really isn't a game anymore. So why poker sucks. Like that's why don't ever play cards with me, Doug. I will trash you. Right. I, I, I do high end calculus in my head on the toilet for fun. Like I'm not the guy you want to play cards with. Um, I don't play dice. I don't play roulette because it's not really, it's not something you can, you can use math on. Don't play fantasy football with me. I will crush you. Don't play fantasy sports with me. I will destroy you. It is a math game, right? It ruins sports. Baseball sucks now because nerds like me are doing math night and day. It isn't a game anymore. It's a bunch of math geeks that never played baseball telling millionaires how to execute their strategies. So it's not fun. But the NFL, on the other hand, you know, just yesterday, you had a kid who was in his first NFL game ever ever in Lambeau Field, historic Lambeau Field, right? Who up until a couple of months ago, like he played at Western Kentucky for a game or two, I guess. Before that, he was like in Houston Baptist College playing against Aaron Rodgers for the Patriots. He almost pulled off a sub, uh, an upset, man. And everybody was rooting for him, you know? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is kind of the whole point of competition is there are some sports where it can happen. And we, we love that. We love that. So where we keep mathematics and where we keep the nerds out of it, it's fun. When it comes down to people who actually get to play, sports are still exciting. And we all love an underdog. We love an underdog. I will never forget when Japan beat New Zealand in the Rugby World Cup. I think I've talked about that on the, on the show before. Everyone I knew was texting everyone I knew, turn on the game. This is going to happen. It was shocking. It was shocking. Doug, it would be like if a four-year-old jumped out of the closet and beat me up. Like it was, you you just, you couldn't believe this was happening. So yeah. um, I think that cheating just becomes more and more and more um, complex and more advanced. It evolves. Uh, as long as people bet on things, as long as there's money to be made, there's always going to be a graft. So uh, I think that's really what this story is about.
the, the stakes kept getting higher, people keep getting smarter, and our access to technology keeps getting easier. But and that's why people keep shooting. Yeah. Well, the comment of the show thus far is keep the nerds out of it. I love it. I'm going to try to work that into my daily um, routine on a regular basis. <laughs> keep so. the nerds out of it. Well, that was halftime brought to you by good friends at Cap Logistics who I'm sure every time they see halftime wince that we mention their name. But to yes. learn more about all the great services that our sponsors offer, please visit them at caplogistics.com. They're the reason that we are saddled with the mediocre skills of Keenan, who keeps the show going and produces it and makes it available to you, our wonderful, wonderful listeners and viewers. Um, and please do learn more about them and their services at caplogistics.com. Yeah. All right. All right. Doug, so uh, back to me, right? I think so. Yep. I think that's it. Topic two. All right. So back on currency. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, the currencies of the world are on everyone's minds these days because they're getting a little kooky, getting a little wacky. And uh, one in particular that should not get wacky is the RMB, the yuan, the, the Chinese yuan, yuan. It shouldn't get wacky. And the reason it shouldn't get wacky is because the Chinese yuan as much as they say that it's not attached to the US dollar, because it's associated with a market basket of currencies, it's totally associated with the US dollar. And it's not doing very well. So right now, um, it's, it's floating currency is actually dropping. And because they see the US dollar actually appreciating greatly against it, Xi Jinping has said he wants to take some reserves of their hard currencies and buy back one. So when you start to buy it and you make that, you know, everyone know, hey, I'm about to buy something, about to buy a whole bunch of it. Huh? What should you do? You should go out and get it so that the value of it goes up. You know, when the value of that goes up, you know, it appreciates in value. So they're, they're down to those sorts of circus tricks to try to raise the value of it. Problem is those, those types of, uh, that type of tick, trickery and foolishness is is not going to be enough. The uh, the current situation of the Chinese economy is is in such a state that the Chinese economy is, is roughly twenty eight percent of the global economy, mm-hmm. and thirty percent of that economy is the real estate market, mm-hmm. and it's crapping down its own leg. So if you do that math, that means that about seven percent of the global economy is is an under question right now. It's suspect. And what drives most of that is associated with one currency. I don't care what you do. You can see you're giving away teddy bears and shotguns if you open an account today. The wand's going down. So um, it doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter what he does. Uh, the difference is no one cares there. You can call himself president for life, and it's not changing the political tenor of where he's at. Yeah. Well, you know, China, and I was thinking about this, that um, China, which is a uh, dictatorship, communist uh, country. If you look back, right, image is super important with dictators and communists. We're seeing that uh, obviously in Russia and, and, and China. And image is everything. And if the uh, currency, the Chinese currency, is not positioned well against the U.S. dollar or other currencies, it has to make a change because. It needs to be strong because China is strong and the nation is strong. Um, and there's also some uh, new political leaders and some elections coming up. I don't know all those details, but um, 
you know what, when you start having some change in the leadership, you're a communist party that is all about image, you better make sure you spit shine the machine and make sure, make sure things are looking good. You got image is everything and the dollar is, uh, and, and the Chinese currency, very important in that equation. So I kind of get the timing of it um, and I totally understand, is it too little too late? But they're gonna give it one hell of a shot because they have an image to uphold and there's changes going on in their, uh, in their country. Good luck with that. <laughs> All right, Doug, bring us home, buddy. All right, this is a little different. You know, I'm usually in the uh, transportation uh, piece of it, but this one caught my attention. So um, this is the official Global Trade This Week investment tip. Now, you and I are forward thinking, and, and this is a tip that's a little further out there, but um, I would encourage everybody to buy copper um, because copper is the key to almost everything that we need related to the energy transition um, from fossil fuels into clean energy technology, electric vehicles, um, batteries, solar, and oh, by the way, chip manufacturing, all of that needs to have electricity that has a conduit and, and that is copper. Now, right here and now, copper is dropped in price, but the bottom line is you start engaging the things that we're talking about and the things I just mentioned specifically with electronic, uh, electronic vehicles and things of that nature. Copper is going to become more in demand. It is a finite resource that is pulled out of the ground and um, maybe a couple years out, but I tell you what, the copper industry is going to become very profitable if you position yourself correctly. Pete and I only take a 5% commission. So if you start making trades in copper, please let us know. We uh, have Keenan, we'll keep track of that. But here's the deal, Pete, in your realm, you better find out who's making a lot of copper, which is Peru, Chile, Congo, of all places, and shocker, China. Now, the good news is US does uh, mine quite a bit of copper. I've done a show on uptime logistics a couple of months ago related to copper down in uh, Arizona. So we're, we're mining some of that stuff here, but we better develop some pretty um, favorable trade agreements with these countries. Take China out of it, that's a whole nother realm, but these other countries that have a lot of copper they're mining, we're going to need it. And we better have uh, good relationships with these guys um, uh, to make sure we're positioned correctly. The other piece of it um, on this would be <clears throat> the infrastructure of copper. Um, and when I talk about that, because it is a supply chain, it's a ch chain from beginning to end. And so if there's not enough infrastructure um, at the source, meaning we got to mine a hell of a lot of copper really, really quick because it's being consumed. Um, we need to make sure we have a robust uh, infrastructure to move it in route from mining to consumption. And then also the production and, and exclusion exclusion is that the right word? We, we don't just take a brick of copper and stick it into something, right? You got to Excruciate, you gotta help me with that word, but um, uh, those type of technologies are gonna be good. So think about the supply chain of copper from mining to, uh, to use and uh, make some investments in the infrastructure. Copper is gonna go through the roof. It's not happening next month, maybe not even next year, but look out, copper's a hot commodity down the road, my friend. We talked a few weeks ago about what we found in Chile and copper was one of those things. Um, copper's had an interesting run. Uh, it doubled in price from 2020 about a year ago. 
it had a sink and then back up again. Um, and now that we found all this copper in Chile, there's um, questions about what that's going to mean for the Chinese copper market, but it's still very valuable, as you said. And recycled copper is very valuable because of what you mentioned at the end there, turning copper into what you want it to be is expensive. So mm -hmm. being able to just recycle it is, um, is extremely important. The um, environmental impact of mining copper as well, being able to use recycled copper is something that companies like to be able to say because of its impact. Um, I don't disagree. About two years ago, I, I talked about how commodities trading is probably we should be focusing. The volatility of copper is what's scary. It, it moves, man. It just it moves. So um, commodities are not for the weak of heart. So I don't give investment advice on commodities because that's what I invest in. And, you know, you better be into bleeding ulcers and myelanta because it's you're going to have to be watching it. But all these commodities that have to do with renewables, no matter what it's across, copper and, and certainly being one of them, uh, this is the future of EVs for now until someone comes up with, with better answers for it. So absolutely done. Um, you know, copper, silver, platinum, all of them, they're all associated with it. And um, to be very frank, there's only so much of it. It's hard to find. And policies and regulations make it harder and harder to get. Mm -hmm. So uh, we do need a free trade agreement with Chile. It's waiting. I don't know why we haven't taken care of it. Um, it just needs to get done. And when it gets done, it's going to make this road a lot easier to handle. That might actually make it harder to make money on betting on copper. Yeah. So... With that, my friend, we will uh, close the book on another exciting, fast-paced edition of Global Trade This Week, brought to you by our good friends at Cap Logistics. Doug, as always, what can I say? It's, it's wonderful making this music with you, my friend. Uh, thanks to Keenan back in the booth. Uh, he gets an extra bag of Golden Grams for this particular episode. Such was his amazing work. And uh, we'll see you again next week with another incredible episode of Global Trade This Week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Doug. All right. Keep the nerds out of it, Pete. Keep the nerds out of it, Doug. <laughs>